All right, all right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a second. Uh, We're going to read a few verses in Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. After several weeks, we finally got out of Mark 1. Amen? So now we are in Mark chapter number 2. And uh, I really, I really like this chapter. I like the beginning of it and what happens, and and it's a cool story. I used to preach a a, a little sermon out of the first part, uh, and 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 really, I thought, well, maybe I can just I can just get that outline and and uh, 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 throw it in the microwave, amen. Warm it up for everybody. But God's got a little something different uh, that He really wants us to see. And when you come out of Mark 1, it really helps you understand what happens with this this story in Mark chapter number 2. Now, for you that were not with us in Mark chapter number 1, Jesus has healed everybody. He's gone around. He First, it started with him casting out a devil out of a man in the synagogue. Then it went over to uh, Peter's house, and he healed Peter's mom-in-law. And then the people just went nuts and, and just flocked the house and brought people from everywhere. And the Bible says that Jesus healed them all. Well, it ends up being, he goes in the next day and he wakes up to, to, to early before day. And he, he goes to pray. His disciples come and find him and says, man, what are you doing? We've got, we've got a ton more people. We have got a great crowd. Now, church today would be excited about that. I mean, we do all kind of stuff to get a crowd, don't we? But what did Jesus say? No. No, he knew what was in the minds of the people. All they cared about was their physical need, and he came to help their their spiritual need. He said, no, I got to go to these other towns and these other villages and these other synagogues, and I need to preach. I came to preach. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he's leaving to do that, but one more called him. One more called him, a leper. That's what we learned last week. A leper catches him and said, if you will, you can. And he said, I can and I will. And he healed him. But then the man went out and did the exact opposite of what Jesus told him to do. That, this is another illustration of people wanting what Jesus can do for them, but not wanting Jesus himself. And he goes around and tells everybody in the world, and it made it where Jesus could not go into the city without being mobbed, so he had to stay in the wilderness. And so after a while in the wilderness, things calmed down a little bit, and so he comes back in to Capernaum. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter number two. If you, y'all go ahead and sit down. Y'all look tired. Go ahead, Fairview, y'all sit down. I know uh, usually when I was a kid growing up, the longer I stood, the less I heard. So I'm going to just, I want you to hear everything, all right? Mark chapter number two. Now, does everybody know where we're at now? Is that good enough uh, uh, introduction? And again, the word again there is because he done been there, right? He's done been there healing and blessing and touching and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. It, word got out. Word got out. He's back. The miracle worker is back. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. Not so much as about the door. And he what? He preached the word unto them. Now, 
If you go to the other gospels, you'll find that there were representatives from Jerusalem that was there. There were priests and there were scribes and there was Pharisees. There were people that came to really investigate Jesus, which that was their responsibility. They were over the religious affairs of the nation. So surely that they, they needed to come and investigate this man, this, this phenomenon, this, this, this thing that's go, just spreading like wildfire. We need to know what's going on. So they fill up the house. It's a great, a great likelihood that they are in Peter's house uh, here in, in Capernaum because that's where Jesus was staying. But either way, we, we find the house full of people. And when Jesus got a house full of people, he preached the word unto them. In chapter number one, Jesus said, that's why I came. Verse 38 of chapter one, he said unto them, let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. How many of y'all remember that verse? Amen. He said, I came to preach. So he gets a crowd and he's preaching to them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, in other words, the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Is that what he said? I hope y'all are wondering where that's coming from. I didn't hear no oohs or ahs. I'm wondering what Bible y'all reading. Now this man's this man is is paralyzed, and so surely that's what Jesus would address. But he doesn't, does he? Look what he says. Son, thy sins, thy what? Sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. They didn't even say it out loud. Jesus read their minds. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Oh, they were right about that. And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Can you imagine what they thought when he read their minds and told them? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know, say with me, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately, boy, Mark loves that word immediately, don't he? Immediately, he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, inasmuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. In Alabama, they say, we ain't never seen it like this before. And all God's people said, dear heavenly father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the, the, the privilege and the honor to be in your house. Lord, all those, those songs of gratitude and thanksgiving, we are thankful. We are grateful for your mercy. We're grateful for your salvation. We're grateful for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done.
And Lord, we'll, we'll honor you today. We'll glorify you the best we know how. But Lord, more importantly, please touch the preaching. Touch your word. Don't let it return void. Let it accomplish everything it's sent out to do. Lord, don't let, don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Don't let me forget anything I need to. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my mind, my mouth, the words coming out. Lord, I pray they'll be easily understood by everyone here. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. It would be very easy to get hung up <clears throat> in the first couple points, but I, I really don't want to do that. You, usually, usually I do. Usually I come out the gates like a racehorse and just go wide open and then, and then filter down at the end, but I, I don't want to do that because really the, the main point and the message that you need to hear is in that third point. But for the sake of outlines and for the sake of just taking the word and giving it to you, uh, there's really three important facts about this chapter I want you to see. It was noise that he was in the house. Man, I tell you what, if there's anything that this city needs to know, if there's anything this community needs to know, they need to know that Jesus is in this house. Listen, Jesus needs to be here. It's important that I'm here. It's important that you're here. It'd be a lonely place without you guys. But I'm telling you, it's critical that Jesus is here. If Jesus is not here, we've wasted our time. If Jesus is not here, we'll accomplish nothing. He said in John 15, he said, without me, ye can do nothing, nothing. I'm telling you, when Jesus is in the house, there'll be, there'll be first of all, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see the people in the house. There'll be people in the house. You don't have to get a circus. You don't have to get a clown. You don't have to uh, put on a rock concert. Just get Jesus in the house. People will come. Jesus is in the house, and there's people in the house. Now, just a few people that I want you to see. First of all, there's hurting people. Write that down. Anywhere you find Jesus, you're going to find hurting people because Jesus attracts the hurting. You say, why does Jesus attract? Look at it. Go back to chapter number one. Everywhere they went, they were trying to find him. Have you ever noticed you really don't have to have a commercial for the hospital? Does anybody think about that? You don't have to advertise a hospital. Why? Because if you're hurting and you're really sick, you go it. Are y'all with me? Has anybody, has anybody ever had a kidney stone in here? Raise your hand if you had a kidney stone. If you never had a kidney stone, raise your hand. I don't like none of y'all. It's the worst thing I've ever had in my life. I came from home from coon hunting about 3 o'clock in the morning one, one morning, and, and, and I started feeling uncomfortable all the way to the house. And, and, man, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I, I got home, and, 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 and I got in bed. And as soon as I got in bed, I got back up. And, I mean, I'm about to die. And Tammy says, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. Something's wrong with me. I got to go to the hospital. She said, well, let me get the kid. I said, I'm going now. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting, so here I am driving to the hospital looking through the steering wheel because I'm just all bent over. I get to the hospital, and it was like, you know, it was late, so there wasn't nobody in there. Thank God. And they just brought me right on in, and I was telling the nurse what, what my symptoms was and, and everything, and she knew right away what it was. And they put an IV in my arm, and they put some medicine in there and, and said, we'll be right back. Three days later, she came back. <laughs> it wasn't that, but it seemed like that. 
I said, ma'am, I promise you, I'm not no, this is my exact words. I, I'm not kidding. I said, ma'am, I'm not no sissy. I promise you I'm not no sissy, but I'm about to die. She says, I'll be right back. And she come back with something about that much. I don't even know what it was. I don't have no idea what it was. I've never been drunk in a day of my life. I've never been high a day in my life, but she put that in my arm and I could feel it going up my arm and it hit my chest. And I said, hey. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but it was great. <laughs> she said, you just rest now. I said, yes, ma'am. And the next thing I know, I look up, Tammy's looking at me. What's the point? When you're hurting, nobody has to tell you to get to Jesus. Nobody has to tell you to seek help. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, everyone in here, if this is a place where Jesus is found, you're going to find hurting people. If you don't like going to church with hurting people, you don't like going to church with Jesus because Jesus is going to attract hurting people. Then we see not only hurting people, but here's, here's what I hope we see a lot of. We see some helping people. We see some helping people. We've got four buddies that are carrying their friend. Are y'all with me? Carrying their friend. And, and, and there's several things I saw. I put it kind of beside the point there. Uh, but there's, there's some things that stood out to me about these guys. First of all, I see the, the, the love they had for their friend. You say, how do you know? They're carrying him. I mean, this, they didn't bring him with a, in an ambulance. They are physically carrying the burden. And you got to understand, this is a, a full-grown adult, dead weight, and if you've ever tried to carry dead weight, you know that is a task all in itself. And they are carrying this man to Jesus. We've got to get him to Jesus. They cared about their friend. They loved their friend. Do you love somebody enough to get them to Jesus? And let me just say it this way. Let me say it this way. Who are you actively right now trying to get to Jesus? Is there somebody that's in your life that's hurting enough, that's got issues in their life, that's got problems in your life, and you love them enough that you are actively, actively trying to get them to Jesus? I not only see the love they have for their friend, I see the confidence they have in the, in the Lord. They know the Lord can do something about this. You know what I think? Here's the here's secret to church growth. Here's the secret to church growth is invite. Invite. The secret to invite is excite. The secret to excite is involvement. If you get involved, you'll get excited. If you get excited, you'll get inviting. Now, what's the point? The point is this. This church right now could be full to overflowing right now if we would just love our friends and our families enough to get excited about getting them to Jesus. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're not excited about getting them to Jesus because you don't have confidence that Jesus can change their situation. Oh, man. You need to understand, Jesus can I don't care who your friend is. I don't care who your family member is. I don't care how crazy they are or how sinful they are or how bad they are. If you can get them to Jesus, Jesus can fix their situation. And all God's people say it. Listen, I see, I see they love their friend. Can y'all see that? I see they have very, very great confidence in Jesus to fix him. Say amen. 
But then you know what else stood out to me? They, <laughs> their persistence in their agenda. They would not be denied. You see that crowd? Well, we tried. Sorry, buddy. Maybe another day. No. No, one of them said, hey, hey, look, come here over here. Look around this corner. Hey, stairs going up to the top. If we can get him up there, I know he's heavy. I, I, I know he could use a little Weight Watchers, but I, I believe we could get it. If we could get him to the top, man, I believe we can get Let's just tear out the roof. Well, what did the owner say? It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. And plus, he's so crowded, he can't get out to us anyway. They tear the roof off. What's the point? They would not be denied. Let me ask you a question. Are you that persistent? Have you showed that much persistence and perseverance and I won't stop praying, I won't stop inviting, I won't stop trying till I get my friend to Jesus? I think we can, we can all give an invitation. Let's all come repent right now. Couldn't we do that? How many of y'all know somebody that's lost? Raise your hand. Friend, family member, loved one. Raise your hand real high, real high. Show everybody can see that. How hard are you trying to get them to Jesus? Can we say we're like these guys? If not, we need to be. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you have hurting people, say that with me, when you have, and they hook up with helping people, there's, there's a bunch of happy people. Happy people. Man, the people saw him healed, and they said, good gracious a lot, we ain't never seen it like this before. You may tell you, I've, I've, I've known this. I, I, every time I've, I've really prayed and I've really sought and I've really worked to get somebody to Jesus, I'm happy more. I'm more happy about it than they are. And you know, maybe maybe we're not seeing the joy of the Lord in our life because we're not fulfilling the command that He's given us. But I'm gonna tell you, you want a happy church? Let hurting people hook up with helping people. I promise you, it'll turn into happy people. Church, say Amen. Number two. First of all, what do we see in the house? Number one, we see there are. There's people in the house. Number two, if Jesus is in the house, they'll be preaching in the house. They'll be preaching in the house. I want you to, I want you to write this down. I, first of all, I want you to see the act of preaching. Did you notice, did you notice he didn't say that, that Jesus taught the word to them? He preached the word. Now, some of y'all think that's the same thing, but it's not. It's not. There are several times in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, where the Bible says they preached and they teached. They're two different things. They're two different things. And I, I, wrote, I wrote just a few uh, uh, characteristics of preaching for you. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to... Everybody say it, to teach, teach and, that means there's something different. He, he came to teach and to preach. preach, teach and preach. Now, the difference between preaching and teaching 
is that preaching is primarily geared toward life change, while teaching is primarily aimed at transferring knowledge. Preaching has an attachment of earnestness to it, while teaching is typically more measured. Preaching seeks to change people's minds, hearts, behaviors, manners, habits. Preaching urges, listen, such change and is the nature of the preaching activity itself. Preaching involves such things as exhortation, exposition, and the meaning expounding the scriptures, admonition, encouragement, comfort, while teaching is a transfer of information and instruction in various areas of content. You know, Paul instructed Timothy. He said, there's coming a day. Perilous times are coming. Well, people will heap upon themselves teachers. People will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. There is, there is a there is a movement, maybe if you could use that word, there's a, there is a drifting toward people saying, we, we, we like our pastor because he's a teacher. Now, now, listen, the Bible says that a preacher, a pastor, should be apt to teach. He should be able and have the ability to teach, but he needs to preach. Teach is this. Here's the information. Preaching is here's the information. Now, what are you going to do with it? Teaching is there's a hell, there's a hell for all the sinners. Preaching is if you die in your sins, you will open your eyes up into hell, but Jesus said you can be forgiven, your sins can be washed white as snow. Oh, come to him, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He preached the word. It's an, it's an act that some people call foolishness. But the Bible says that it pleased the Lord by the foolishness of preaching to see the people saved. Thank God for teachers. But you need somebody to get in your face and tell you this is what God says. Now do something about it. You know why, you know why in the last days people are going to heap upon themselves teachers? Because they have a right to do or not do whatever they're being taught. But when their man is preaching, there is some heat on it. There is some conviction in it. There is something that the Holy Spirit is driving home. I don't want you to just be smarter. I don't want you to just know more about the Bible. I want your life to be different tomorrow than it is today. I want your life to change for God's sake. Say amen. Man, we need preachers. Preachers that are not afraid. Preachers that could care less about what the culture's doing. People that could care less about what their, their, their salary ends up because they offend the high giver. It doesn't matter. Preach the word. The act of preaching. Then the authority in preaching. He says, Jesus preached the, everybody, preach the word. I'm going to tell you, that's a missing that's a missing element in the church today. We have self-help gurus behind the pulpits. 
We have put psychologists and psychiatrists behind the pulpits when we need a, listen, just an old-fashioned man of God who doesn't care about pleasing the world. All he cares about pleasing Jesus, and he's going to tell you what the Word says and only the Word says, not his opinion, not what culture wants you to think, not what's popular, not what's politically correct, but thus saith the Lord. There's no authority in my opinion. There's no authority in what I think. Listen, but when I say God said in Matthew chapter number five, in verse number 13, I'm going to tell you, you better perk up your ears because somebody's trying to talk to you. Look what it says. Look what it says. The Bible clearly says in, 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 in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God, which ye have heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you. My opinions won't help you, but God's word will work in you. It'll work in you. I challenge you. This is going to bring us to point three. Don't flip yet. Listen. I challenge you to examine and watch just briefly. Churches and sermons, they're all over Facebook. They're on TV. And notice how many of them are how to have your best life now. Well, honey, as a child of God, if your blessed life is now, listen, that's not when our best life is going to be. It's when we get to glory. And it's how to improve your situation, how to be blessed and how to prosper, how to have good things, how to speak positivity in your life. Man, what chapter is that in? Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. He said, in this world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, all that live godly, this is Jesus saying, all that live godly shall suffer what? Persecution. But, but we've got pulpits full of people who are trying to help you feel better about yourself. Help you to have a better life. Now, I'm not, I'm not against having a better life. I'm not against having more money. I'm not against having health in my bones. I'm not against none of that stuff. But if I help you have a better life now, and I don't tell you how to have a life then, what good is it going to do to have money in your pocket and, and, and good health and die and go to hell? Let me show you number three. This is where I'm getting Number one, when Jesus is in the house, there's people in the house, right? When Jesus is in the house, there's preaching in the house. It's an act of preaching, an exhorting, a challenging, a reproving, a rebuking, exhorting with all long suffering and doctrine. But then I want you to see the priority in the house. This is the message. The priority in the house. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to confess something. When I was studying this chapter many, many years ago, 
I mean, I'm talking about when I was still in Barnwell, South Carolina. So it's over 20 years ago, probably 25, 26 years ago. I preached out of Mark chapter number two. When Jesus is in the house, there'll be people in the house. There'll be preaching in the house. There'll be power in the house. There'll be praise in the house. Oh, that's great. And it's a good sermon. I preached all kinds of places. People shouting, carrying on. Man, what a great sermon. But boy, when you study chapter one, when you study chapter one and then go into chapter two, when you see that Jesus was so concerned with them, when you see that Jesus was willing to leave people that just wanted healing for their sickness so he could try to teach people and preach and preach the word so people can get their spiritual needs met and then go into chapter 2? Now we have, he's healed everybody. He's healed the leper. Now we've got this crippled man. He's just going to do what he's always done, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Jesus is trying to make a point here. Jesus is trying to show something here. He is preaching the word, which I believe, what I'm going to share with you in just a second, but then here comes this, this, this man with, with a, a, a paralyzed situation, His situation is dire, and you would think he would just touch him or say the word and be done with it so he could get on with a sermon, but he doesn't. He doesn't even say, I'm going to heal your sickness, or do you want to get up from that bed? He doesn't do any of that stuff. First thing he says, Mark, he says, thy sins. He addresses his spiritual need. He doesn't say a word about his problem. He doesn't say a word about his sickness. He says, let me tell you about your sin. Let me fix the greatest need and the greatest problem that you had. Now, you doctors and nurses, I don't know if we got any doctors, but I know we got some nurses in here. When when you have a, a, a wreck and there's a bunch of messed up people. What do you do? You go to the one in the greatest need. Triage, is that what they call that? I, whatever that, that, that's called, where you go to the one closest to death because he's got the great, this is the most important, we got to help. We're going to skip, we're going to move past the man with a broke arm and we're going we're gonna to try to address this man with his carotid artery cut and bleeding out. Does that make sense? We're going to go to this guy because this is, you know what Jesus did? He bypassed his crippled state. He bypassed his paralyzed state. And let me, he said, let me go to something that's even more important than your crippledness. It is your sin debt to God. Are y'all with me? Now you say, preacher, why are you so hyped up about this? Because churches all over America are full of people trying to get their paralyzation fixed when they really need their sin dealt with. They're coming to church because their spouse walked out on them. They're coming to church because their kid went crazy on them. They're coming to church because they lost their job and their finances are in a mess. And that's all okay. That's all. Listen, bring it to God. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord. But don't go to hell with money in your pockets. Two things. Jesus makes a priority here. Here's, here's a priority, guys. Here, here's what, I, I, don't know, I don't know why you came this morning. I don't know what great burden you're carrying. 
I, I don't know what's in, in your life right now, but this is two things that you need to know. Two things you need to know that Jesus makes an emphasis on. Listen, you need to know what's coming. Write that down. You need to know what's coming. Jesus said in Mark 2.10, he said, I could have said, I could have said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk, but I need you to know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I know what you're thinking. What's the big deal? You see, we, we have gotten, we have, we, <laughs> social media, you'll see it all the time. Well, we're just all sinners. We're just sinners. Nobody's perfect. And we just are, que sera, sera. We're so nonchalant with sin. Do you understand what's coming? What does God say about sin? Look what he says. Romans 1, 18. For the what? Say it again. For the? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 2, 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Let no man deceive you, Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh what? The wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Jude said it in Jude 14. He said, uh, also Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints, talking about his angels, to execute judgment upon all, to convince all the ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Preacher, what are you saying? Jesus is trying to let them know, I have the ability to heal the lame and heal the sick, but I came to heal your sin. John 3, John 3 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned. But watch this. He that believeth not is condemned already. Preacher, what are you saying? The wrath of God is coming. This is not a fairy tale. This is not the figment of somebody's imagination. This is not a preacher trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to tell you the reality that sin is sin. It is an offense against a holy God, and the wrath of God is coming. What does the wrath of God look like? Look at Calvary. God poured his wrath out on his own son. What's the wrath of God look like? Read Revelation. The whole seven years of tribulation that's going to take place on this earth is nothing but the wrath of God being poured out upon sin and sinners. The wrath of God is coming. I hate that you've got to 
crippled situation. I hate that you've got a messed up life, a messed up home. And I wish everybody had a fairy tale life. But it doesn't matter if I turn your, your, your nightmare life into a fairy tale life if you don't have eternal life. It's, it's kind of like they say, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You might make it look prettier, but it's still going down. What's the priority? Jesus says, you need to know what's coming. I came to tell you what's coming. And here's the second thing, and I'll be done. Not only is it a priority to know what's coming, B, write this down. You need to know how to escape. You need to know how to escape. Jesus tells us. Oh, Jesus tells us. Look what he says in John 3, 36. He that believeth, come on now, y'all with me? Y'all with me? John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Watch this. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Read it with me. But the. If you don't come to Christ and repent of your sin, the wrath of God is going to abide on you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. I've got good news, y'all. Wrath is coming. That's not the good news. That's just a fact. It's a fact. It's coming. God has tarried. God has had patience. God is long-suffering. And God has put up with the sin of humanity for ages. But wrath is coming. But, but look what the Lord says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to, but what is his plan? But to obtain by our who? Luke 24, 47. He said, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You know what he told the Pharisees? This is what he said. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know, look at me, everybody. How many of y'all know that sin doesn't send you to hell? After everything you just said, after everything I just said, sin doesn't send you to hell. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Unforgiven sin sends you to hell. I'm not sinless. I'm forgiven. Now let me show you. What's the difference? John 18, 24. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, say it with me, ye shall die in your sins. If you don't find forgiveness through Christ, you will die in your sins. And the wrath of God will abide upon you. Ephesians 1, 7. 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, say it with me, the the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want you to everybody look at me. That's all, that's all you got to write. But everybody look at me. Let's sum this up. Y'all ready? Everybody look, 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 look. Up in, the, up in the shelf, everything. Come on, look at me. Look at me, everybody. Imagine what these guys are thinking. Bringing their buddy heavy, sweating, but they're going to get him to Jesus. We may carry him here, but he's going to walk home. In their minds, they wanted to see him walk. That was the most important thing. That was the most vital thing. Is we want him to walk home beside us. But watch what was in the mind of Christ. When this man is lowered before him, his mind wasn't on him walking home. His mind was him walking into the gates of heaven. Their thought process was, I want his life to be better here. Jesus' thought process was I want to make sure he makes it there. Their thought process was his life will be easier. He'll be able to get a job now. He'll be able to support his family now. He'll be able to make a living now. He'll be able to experience some happiness in life now. Jesus' thought process is wrath is coming Sin will be judged. Sin will be punished. And the only way this man is going to escape that is through belief in me and have his sins forgiven. I, I, I don't know how to put into words the seriousness of you being forgiven. I want your marriages to be great. I want your children to act like people. I I, I want your finances to be blessed. I'm not against none of that stuff. I'm telling you, I hope you get a raise at work. I, I I hope great things happen to everybody. I hope you have the most awesome life here on this earth. But I'm trying to tell you, none of that'll matter if you miss heaven. And the priority in preaching is not a better life now. It's an everlasting life then. Because wrath is coming. Will you die in your sins? You don't have to. You don't have to. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ever wondered what saved from? The wrath of God. 